go with me to your Bibles <clears throat> to the book of Matthew chapter 5. And I love standing when we read God's word because really it is the greatest honor we can do. And, and that is, is, is read God's word. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. I'm going to read out the message translation. They have it right here. It makes me look like smart, like I'm a teacher. So I'm going to read it like this instead of my iPad. Can I, do, I haven't done it all service my first time, so it just makes me feel a little better. It's like it's, it's feeding my security right now. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings you the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? That's like a rhyme. Saltiness and godliness. That's like the urban translation. And it says, you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under the bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand now that I've put you there on a hilltop. And on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous father, which is in heaven. I want to talk to you today, a message I've entitled, I'm coming out with oil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spirit of revelation. Give our minds illumination that we would experience transformation. God, I pray you give us a mind to perceive and a heart to receive all that you have. And I ask that after this message, we will never, never be the same in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Well, before you see it, give someone a high five and say, you wish you looked as good as me. You wish you looked as good as me. I love my father. My, my father really is, is my greatest hero. And my dad being a third generation pastor was a youth pastor for his dad and, and um, realized that, that when he got married to my mother, they got married right out of high school and, and like kind of woke up one day and they had five kids. It's pretty amazing because, like, there was no social media, no Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter. I don't even think there was televisions. And, um, but that's what you did. My dad was telling me just a few days ago, I got a seven and a nine-year-old. And my dad told me, he goes, I need more grandchildren. I'm like, you ain't getting them. He says, no, I, I need more grandchildren. It's amazing. It's like, it blows my mind, like, grandparents that, like, threaten their kids. I need more grandchildren. It's like, what are you going to do with them? I go, Dad, I got two kids. Seven-year-old boy, nine-year-old girl. I, I can't afford them. I can't afford anymore. They, they cost too much money. Come on, how many know kids cost too much money? Like, they're cute when they're like three or four years old. You can go to Walmart, buy them an outfit for $4. That's right. Now they're like nine. My daughter's nine. She's like, Dad, I want some boots. Like, girl, you're nine years old. Dad, I want me some boots. So you start thinking as a parent, well, if I buy her boots, can't buy me no shoes. I got to put myself first. What you laughing about? I'm just taking advice from United Airlines. They said when there's an emergency and the masks fall, put it on your face first, then put it on your child. I took it literally. And so my dad's like, you want to know the problem why you don't have no 
no more kids? I said, why? He goes, too much social media. I said, what does that have to do with it? He goes, you're looking at everything. You should be spending time with your wife, and you guys should be making babies. And, and I'm like, Dad, they're expensive. But see, my father, he had five children and then landed up becoming a firefighter, working in refineries. And dad put us all through college, bought us all our first cars, and then bought us all our first homes. My dad wasn't rich. My dad was blessed. Because the thing my dad taught us from, from, from being little kids was that he would always say, hey, Obed, the the level of your living is determined by the level of your giving. I mean, like, like, like that small. I can remember even my birthdays. Like, I was so excited. Like, in my birthdays, like, like today, my, my kids are like, I'm like, what do you want for your birthday? Amazon card. I'm like, I remember we didn't even have cards, nothing like that. Checks, your parents gave you, like, money. Your aunts, uncles gave you money. You always knew who was your best uncle because they gave you the most money. Like your aunt that gave you a dollar, you'd be like, girl, you're so cheap, but I still love you. What's a dollar going to buy? And so my dad would gather all our money. I remember my birthday, I had $35. He gathered it, all my friends left, and he said, um, he says, you got $35. I said, dad, I'm going to go buy me some shoes. He said, you got to give $350 to the Lord. I'm like, I'm nine years old. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, you tithe, not me. I'm not an adult yet. And my dad's like, God gave you $35. I said, no. My aunts and uncles gave me $35. And he's like, 10% belongs to the Lord. I'm like, man, dang. So I give my dad $350. Halloween comes around. I remember Halloween. Like, we, we, we didn't have, like, those buckets. You know, like, your kids have them cute little buckets right now with the pumpkin on them. You know, you go buy them at Walmart, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like, we didn't even have those. We couldn't afford them. So we used pillow sacks. I remember pillowcases. Like, you know, the ones with the slobber all over them. And we'd take the pillow out. We'd walk up to homes with pillowcases. Like, I tell my kids, why do you want that little bucket of, of, a, of a, a Halloween? It's that small. You got no faith. Dad had big faith back in the days. I had a pillowcase. So I'd walk up to a house, be like, trick or treat. And they'd dump like a little candy, like some little Jolly Ranchers or something like that. Little Starbursts. They'd break it up. Like they didn't even give you a whole pack. They just little Starbursts. And I'm like, And they're like, young man, we gave you your candy. I'm like, it's not enough. You got to give a little more. And so I remember coming home with a huge pillowcase full of candy. My dad like, dump it. I'm like, for what? Dump it. So we'd get the pillowcases and dump them as, our, as kids. And why did you want us to dump it? He's like, because the father requires 10%. <laughs> That's what kind of home I grew up in. 
But they taught us. Your level of, of living is determined by your level of giving. And that's what happened my whole life. I remember going to college. I didn't go to regular college. I went to Bible college. Bible college is a little different than regular college. Bible college, you're not poor, you're po. Po, you couldn't even afford the other O. You was at po. And so in Bible college, all I ate was top ramen. I remember top ramen. Come on, Vienna sausages. You don't know what I'm talking about. Come on, you in Jennings, Louisiana. I, I, I was like in L.A., you know, like top ramen. And so it's like if I wanted Chinese food that night, I just go get some soy sauce, stick it in my top ramen. If I wanted Mexican the next night, I get some hot sauce, put it in my top ramen. If I wanted some brother food, I get some barbecue sauce, stick it in my top ramen. If I wanted white food, I grab some gravy, stick it in my top ramen, right? And so I'm like, I, I lived off of that. And so I remember I, so clear the day that our church had our miracle offering. We were getting ready to big, build a, a new building. And, and, and I remember that whole month. That, that I was selling my baseball cards and I was selling shoes because I wanted an offering. I wanted to take it to God. I wanted to give something because that's what I was taught my whole life. And I went to church that day and, and I, had, I had $67 in my pocket. But I had my, I had my envelope. I couldn't wait for the pastor. I mean, I was, I was so ecstatic that day. I was in church sitting in the front row. I was worshiping the Lord. I mean, you know, I mean, that song was going on, man. I mean, I was going like windshield wipers, you know. Like, I mean, I, I was excited. I was like, oh, man, I, I couldn't wait because this was the first time I was ever going to do this. Like, I've seen my mom and dad do it years and the church just build and continue to build and continue to grow and continue and like it was my turn now and I couldn't wait so I, I sold baseball cards I, I sold shoes I sold everything I can and, and I had that envelope I had $67 in my pocket and I'm worshiping the Lord I'm like Lord I love you I'm just worshiping man and, and, I, and, I, and I remember like turning this direction and I see this girl and I remember she was in my singles ministry and, and she has five kids and she was worshiping the Lord she was leaning in and one kid you know she was grabbing his hand and, and she was leaning in and the Lord spoke to me and says go give her $60 I'm like you crazy he's like no 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 you need to go give her $60 and I'm like Lord I hear that my sheep would know my voice that ain't your voice I think that's the devil talking and so I just kept on worshiping, you know, just kept on worshiping. And, and I'd look over there and the Lord be like, give her $60. I finally got so upset. I turned my back, worshiped the other way. <laughs> and I'm worshiping. And finally the Lord, give her $60. So after service, I walk up to her. I'm like, hey. She's like, oh, Ben, it is so good to see you. I was college. And I'm like, don't even smile like that at me right now. Like, I'm not happy. And I'm like, it's, it's going good. And, you know, look, it, I just got to tell you something, okay? Here's what I need to tell you. We were worshiping the Lord, and I saw you, and you were holding your little son's hand. You were leaning in. And I know the presence of God was all over you. And, and the Lord spoke to me, and he says, give you $60. I just stood there just like that. And I could just hear, like, the Lord say, oh, bet it. Cheerful giver. I mean, I heard it all my life. Be a cheerful giver. 
I wasn't cheerful. And, and I don't even think the Lord cares. He just wants your money. I give it to me. I don't care what kind of attitude you got. And I'm like, you know, I just here. And I pull out of my pocket and I give her $60. And she looks at me and all of a sudden her eyes get watery. And, and I go, are you okay? And she said, you ain't going to believe this. I said, what? She said, tomorrow my rent's due. And I'm $58 short. And my heart sank. And I was like, wow. Like, this, this isn't my parents' miracle. This is like my miracle. Like, I'm like, I got my own testimony now, right? And so, like, like I got pepped to my step, man. I'm telling you, man, I was like trotting, man. And I was like, okay, I got $7. You know, back in them days, Taco Bell had three tacos for 99 cents. So I figured I'm going to have tacos for the next seven days. And so I'm like, I'm like, I'm excited, man. And I'm walking outside and, and all of a sudden, man, there's this girl that's, 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 uh, that, that's walking. And she used to be in my singles group. She had two of her kids holding both hands like this. Kids are get fussing her. And it's after church. And the Lord says, give her $7. I said, Lord, you are tripping. Like, why are you bothering me? You're harassing me today. Like, like this isn't good. You sh- you, there's so many other people in this church that have so much money. And I'm a Poe student right now. And you're, you're, I feel like you're taking advantage of me, God. <laughs> he says, give her $7. So I'm like, hey, lady. Yeah, you over there with the two baby kids. Over there, yeah. You over there. Like, come over here. And she's like, Obed, I'm like, good to see you. Obed, great to see you. How's Bible college? I'm like, don't even go there right now, you know? And she's like, I'm like, listen, I, I saw you walk in and your two kids and the Lord put on my heart, give you $7. He says, give you all you have. All I had was $7. She looks at me. Looks at her kids. She looks at me and she goes, you ain't going to believe this. I said, what? She says, my kid just asked me, mom, are we going to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches today like we've had the last five? And my heart sank. And I'm like, man, God, you're really using me. It changed everything about me. My sister, who's like the most greediest person, she was like, oh, bad. Obed, what are, you, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, not that I'm going to my, my car. And she's like, well, we're all going to lunch. We're going to the Cheesecake Factory. I, I did what every spirit-filled Christian does when they don't got no money. I was like, oh, I'm fasting right now. <laughs> and she's like, you lying. I said, girl, don't even go there right now. We just came out of church, and you trying to judge a brother right now. Don't even judge me. And she was like, you're lying. I'm like, girl, listen, listen. If you're judged, you'll also be judged yourself. (laughs) She goes, well, I was hoping you would come because I was going to treat you. I'm like, well, there's a God in heaven. (laughs) 
from that moment on, God started to do something in my life that I was no longer dependent on my parents' faith and their generosity. It was that something that God was beginning in us. And my wife and I today are blessed. Our church is blessed. Because we've always said that we will always live more generous than the way we're living. Because your level of your giving determines your level of your living. At the end of the day, it's not Job Jira. He's Jehovah Jira. And guess what? Your, your, your income is not determined by what you make. It is determined by how generous you want to live your life. And I want to give you four keys today that I really believe that's going to help you. Number one, what it takes to live generous, that it takes sacrifice. That's your legacy. It, it takes sacrifice. That's your legacy. You all know the story about David. David was a king, and, 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 and all he ever wanted to do was build God a house. I mean, think about it. All you ever want to do is build God a house. And, and you're like, God, all I want to do is I want to build you a house. And, 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 God, and, and, God's like, and, and God's like, okay, David, but I can't let you do this. Can you imagine God telling you, hey, I'm sorry, but you can't build me a house. And you're like, Lord, this is what I live for. I mean, like everything I made, I want to give to you. This was David saying it. And he was like, sorry, your hands are too bloody from war. David, I apologize, but I can't let your hands build me a house. You would have thought David would have stopped there. But the Bible says this, man. The Bible says at that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, here's what the Bible says. He sacrificed there. David took his 600 shekels of gold and, and he was like, Lord, is this the place you want me to, to sow? And the Lord's like, yeah. And David built an altar there and, and he gave of his riches there and David had no idea that what was going to take place. David had no idea that why God chose that particular spot. But that's the amazing thing about God. Is that God always knows our end from our beginnings. That's what Isaiah 46 said. He declares everything from the end to the beginning. This is why God can tell you why you're going through a storm. He can say, keep on going. And you're like, Lord, no, I can't. I can't make it no more because we've all been there. And some of you go, go even more spiritual. You're like, Lord, I can't do this. And then it gets worse. And you're like, Lord, I can't do this. And, and it just gets worse and worse. And God's like, go. And like, I can't do this, God. But the reason why God can tell you to go is because he knows what's on the other side. And the reason why he keeps on telling you to go is because he doesn't want you to forfeit the destiny that he has for your life. And so he tells them, so, here. And David went and he sowed. One day he'd have a son. And that same heart would be in his son. And he'd want to build God a temple. So Solomon sat there and he said, man, I want to build you something, God. 
I want to build you a temple. And God says, okay. And look what the Bible says. Now Solomon began to build of the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David. And look how specific God is. He says, at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. He took him back to the exact place. He says, is this where you want to build? You want to build me a temple? And Solomon's like, yes, Lord, I want to build you a temple. He goes, okay, I'm going to tell you where to build. And he landed up taking him to the place to where many years before that, his father sacrificed an altar there. What you're doing today, what you're going to be able to do at the end of service, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not coming up or, or, or the bucket's being passed and, 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 and you're going to hand in your miracle offering you've been talking about so you can complete a children's center. You're, you're not, no, no, no. See, you, you got to look past that because you see that today, what you don't see are years from now that one day your son, who maybe be five years old, or your daughter that's, tw that's, that's seven years old, five, seven years from now, they may be going through a difficult season in their life, and they're telling you, I want nothing to do with God. I don't want nothing to do with him anymore. And all of a sudden you're praying, and all of a sudden God gets a hold of your son, gets a hold of your daughter, and guess what he does? He brings him and her back to the same place that you sowed your seed many years ago. Because can I tell you something? God never forgets the people that sow seed seed because the seed will always return a harvest in Jesus name come on are you hearing me today you'd be crazy to sit there and think my life is where it is today Obed my church is what it is today Obed because man you're a good preacher you, you got good strategy you got a fine looking wife well that's part of it you know No, I, I know exactly what's happening. Because I had a mother from the time I was this small till I was 12 years old, five days a week, we did our homework in the front pew of the church. I'd watch her with one hand bills and the other hand the Bible, walking up the aisles thanking God. I had a grandmother who had the largest church in Puerto Rico at her time. The day we opened up our service on March 7, 2004 was the last conversation I had with her. And at the end of the service, she grabs my forearm, starts praying in the spirit. I'm like, okay, we're out in the lobby right now. And this is our first service. And the last thing I want people to think is that we're weird. And she like, my grandma's old school. She's like, hey, ah, she bopping. You know what I mean? Like, you think she breakdancing or something. And I'm like, oh, Lord, don't do this. Not right now. It's our first service. And she's like, and the Lord said, I'm going to give you buildings. I'm going to give you lands. And I'm like, I like that. Eight years ago. We went through the most difficult season in our church. Had a brand new building being built. And one of my board members kind of took it for granted. Left the building half built. Attorneys start calling. Collections start calling. 
And I'll never forget the owner of the building at that time had his attorney there. My attorney was next to me. And his attorney looked at me and said, Obed, if you put any of your assets in your kids' trust, I'll go after your kids. And I looked at that attorney and I said, you don't know the Obed BC before Christ. Locked up for six months, kicked out of eight schools, on the streets from the age of 12 to 16. You don't know that dude. So I leaned over. I looked at him straight in the eyes. I said, sir, you say that one more time. I'll take that red tie. I'll wrap it around your neck. I'll yank it. And then you'll fall to the ground and I'll crush your head. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> that same man. That same man. Nine years ago sat with his attorney was the same man that sat in a room two weeks ago and is handing us over a $10 million building. Come on, wow. Come on are you hearing me today? <laughs> Do you think I sat there and I'll go, oh, bet you did it. I remember walking out of that attorney's office, getting in my car, and I paused for a moment. And my mother's, my mother's gone. She's with the Lord. My, my grandmother's gone. She's with the Lord. And tears were rolling down my eyes because I realized my parents and my grandparents sowed for that day. That today the Bible says that the reaper shall overtake the sower. And can I tell you something? What you're doing today, your children are going to be blessed. You're leaving them something that they cannot buy on their own. Friends, can I tell you something? Is that your sacrifice? Listen, it's your legacy. Number two, it takes faith. That's your generosity. It, ta it takes faith. That's your generosity. You know the story about Abraham. He only had like, he wanted to have a son. He was like old, like old. He like, dad, he like, father, I just want me a son. And he lands up having a son, and, and that's not the son he really desired. That, that was Ishmael. And, but he lands up, God lands up doing a miracle in his life. And that's how I love God because God turns mistakes into miracles. He, God, God's a great God at that. He, he's so good. I, I love, I love that, the, that, that, that God can turn a, a, a period into a comma. You know, he, he, can turn a, he can turn a stop into a pause. You know, I mean, that's just the God we serve. And, 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 and so Abraham's like, like, like has this one son. His name is Isaac. And like, he loved him. It took him all his life. And all of a sudden, man, like, God goes crazy on him. And he's like, Abraham, I want your son. And the Bible says, in whom you love. Because a sacrifice is only a sacrifice if it costs you something. And so he's like, give me your son, your only son. 
And how many of you have ever like been in prayer and you like negotiate with God? Come on, don't lie. You're in the house of God right now, okay? Like, you know, like God will tell you like, you're like going to, you're, you're in prayer and you're like, Lord, I just want to increase in my business. Lord, I just want, I, I, you're going to bless my family. Lord, you're going to bless my children. And, and you're like praying and you're like, you're like, you, you feel like you're touching heaven. And, and God's like, okay, go forgive that person. And you're like, Lord, where did that thought even come from? Like, I'm praying for this and you kind of throw a curveball. And you want me to go forgive that person that lied to me, led me the wrong way, overpromised and underdelivered? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, but what does that have to do with like blessing my family, giving me a promotion? He's like, it has everything to do with it. And you start going negotiation on God. Come on, God. You know what that person did to me. I got every right to be mad at that person. And you're going to tell me to forgive him? And the Lord's like, yeah. And you're like, okay. Let's negotiate this one here. That's what Abraham did. What are you talking about? Lord, how about if I give you Ishmael? And the Lord's like, I don't want Ishmael. I don't want Ishmael because you don't want Ishmael. I only want what you love. And so Abraham takes his son and, and they're on one side of the mountain. But what Abraham doesn't realize is that God always has the end, even in the beginning. He always has the harvest when he asks you to sow. And on the other side of the mountain is a ram. And in that ram is the promise to be a father, not just to one, but to many. And every time over here on this side, Abraham took one step with his son. Over here on the other side, the ram coming up the other side of the mountain took another step with him at the same time. Isn't it amazing that your step of obedience will always cause your harvest to take another step as well. And oftentimes we sit there and we go, well, Lord, come on, you're going to bless me. When's the blessing coming? And the Lord's like, oh, it's over there. You just haven't taken another step yet. Imagine if the Lord would have, like, showed you, like, hey, it's over there. How many know you would do it? But that don't take faith. I mean, isn't it amazing that God did it with Joseph too, 17 years old? Hey, Joseph, at the age of 30, you're going to be like second in charge and all the fine women in the city are going to feed you grapes. Come on, tell that to a 17-year-old. He'd be like, yes, Lord. What's amazing, that is at 17, he gets a dream and the dream that he gets only reveals what his life would be at at the age of 30. What's not revealed is a 13-year process 
that he would have to go through in order to get there. So imagine his excitement, and the Lord shows him, you're going to be second in charge. All the fine-looking women in Egypt are going to feed you grapes. And he's 17-year-old, he like pimples and everything. He's like, really? Hey, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. But imagine if, if God would have said, oh, by the way, let me kind of show you what it's going to take to get there. Like, you're going to get sold out by your brothers. Like, they're going to sip on haterade. Okay? And, 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 and they're not lovers, they're haters, and they're going to sell you out. And so they're going to sell you out to the Egyptians. And then all of a sudden, you're going to go to Potiphar's house. When you go to Potiphar's house... Uh, he's going to be gone. He's going out doing some things. His wife just came back from Victoria's Secret. She put on a little outfit on. She came walking out. And she tried to entice you. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to tell her to look at the palm because you ain't the bomb. See you later. And guess what she's going to do after that? She's going to say, OMG, no, you're not going to turn me down. Ah, rape, rape. And all of a sudden the security guards come and guess what's going to happen? You're going to get thrown into prison. And when you get thrown into the prison, you're going to sit there and you're in prison. And while you are in prison, sir, there's going to be a baker and a butler that's in there. And they're going to ask you to interpret the dreams because you have the gift of interpretation and when you interpret their dreams all you tell them is hey remember me when you get out but just like everybody else they want something from you and then when it's time for something back they forget it's like they get amnesia and so guess what you're going to sit there and you're going to go lord you promised me you promised me that i would be in pharaoh's palace I'm in, I'm in the dungeon. And the Lord says, look up. Why? Look up. Lord, why do you want me to look up? Look up. Why do you want me to look up? Look up. Lord, you better tell me why. Because all I see is chains and rats. Why do you want me to look up? And Joseph looks up and he realizes, oh, my God. I'm in Pharaoh's palace because the prisons were always in the basements of the palace. And without all those events, he'd have never ended up where God wanted him to be. God works all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to your purpose. And when you think that you are not where you're supposed to be, all God often tells you is to Look up. Can I tell you something? It takes faith. He'll show you your destiny, but he won't reveal to you your process. Because if God shows you your process, you know what you're going to say? <laughs> not for me, dude. Not at all. I'm not doing that. Every one of us would forfeit our destiny if he revealed to us our process. And this is why oftentimes you're praying. You're like, Lord, show me. We were singing that song, show me your glory. You're like, show me God. And God's like, girl, if I showed you right now, you would quit. Like you would quit. I would have quit. God showed me all the hell I had to go through get where I'm at today I would have quit it, it takes faith the, the third thing it does watch this it, 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 it takes prayer that, that's, your, that's your humility 
I mean, you know the story about the woman who's, whose husband loves Jesus and leaves her in debt. He's part of the school of the prophets, and all of a sudden, the prophet comes, Elijah, and she's like crying because they're going to take her two baby boys. And the reason why they're going to take her two baby boys, because in those days, if you were in debt, you had sons. The government, the government they take your kids, and when they take your kids, you would have to, they'd, have, they'd have to work off your debt for 49 years. Think about it. Your kids would have to work for 49 years. And then on the 50th year, when all your debt's paid, they call it the year of Jubilee. So she's like, I don't want them to take my kids. I just lost my husband. Her husband was her provider because in those days, women weren't allowed to work. So not only did her husband die, her provision died. And he's like, what is it that you have in your house? And she's like, all I have is a little jar of oil. And he's like, okay, go and tell your sons to go to all their neighbors and tell them to gather you some empty vessels. So could you imagine her kids going up to the neighbors, knock, knock. Hey, how you doing, Sam? Could you have any empty vessels? My mom needs them. Why does your mom need them? She just needs them. Don't argue. Just give them to me. They gathered all the empty vessels. She brings them to her mom, their mom. And look what the Bible says. The Bible says this. The Bible says this. When she got the empty jars... It said, then they go inside and they shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it one to a side. Notice what it says. Go and shut your door behind you. There's only one other time that phrase is ever written in the Bible. And that's when Jesus asked his disciples, when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? And he said, go into the room and shut your door. And whatever is done in secret will be rewarded in the open. In other words, private intimacy produces a public harvest. That's why we all should be grateful for the private. Like you're here. I'm here. Because of the private. What my parents did in private, nine months later. I love the private. If you're married, you should love the private. Like, I love the private. Thank you, God, for private. But it's interesting how Jesus tied it with how a, a couple comes together in intimacy. Intimacy, look into me and see, because that's what intimacy is. You're, you're looking into one another and you're you're seeing each other for who you are. There's no clothes. There's nothing else that identifies you except you. Intimacy. Look into me and see. And the two come together and there's an exchange of seed. And that seed itself begins to hibernate within a womb. And the result nine months later that everyone's excited about that little child that is birthed is only a result of what took place in the private. I truly believe that when we come together as a church and it's, it's our offering time, I really believe it's the most intimate time we have in church. Because worship 
opens up the heavens, but it is only your offering that opens up the windows. And at the end of the day, it's a seed exchange. And it's when you come into church and your womb is barren because the world has stripped stuff from you that you walk out pregnant with dreams and visions again because there's intimacy. The multiplication didn't take place in the public until it was first poured in the private. Can I tell you when your life's going to grow? Your life's going to grow when you begin to fall in love with the private. It's when you'll start seeing things manifested in the public. Here's the issue. The Bible says as soon as the jars, empty jars stopped coming, the oil stopped flowing. Which lets me know as I close, it lets me know that, that, that heaven never runs out of oil. It's just that earth runs out of vessels. And the day you stop bringing vessels to church gives reason for God to stop the oil from flowing. Because God is attracted to empty vessels. We ought to come to church all the time empty because we poured out so much during the week. God's attracted to empty vessels. Friends, it takes faith. It takes, it, it takes generosity. It takes prayer. It takes sacrifice. And lastly, it takes action. That's your prosperity. My wife, she was pregnant. And you know when women get pregnant, they ask for like crazy stuff. Like, can you, can you make like, make me some like avocado with cottage cheese? And you're like, that don't even make sense. But I'm craving it. My wife is a health freak. Like health freak. Like, I've been cheating the whole time I've been here. even know how you guys survive out here I, I get to Louisiana I know I'm gonna gain like seven pounds I kill it when I come out here sweet tea like sweet tea y'all got sweet we, we don't even got we got tea no sweet tea I kill it when I come out here especially when my wife isn't with me my wife comes with me in January every year out here and Pastor Jacob, he's like, I'm going to take you guys to Grub Burgers. And in my mind, I'm already knowing I'm going to have to have a salad. It's not even worth coming. Tell my wife sometimes, go, go out with Pastor Michelle. She health free. But when she was pregnant, she loved greasy tacos. I had to drive 30 minutes go pick up some greasy tacos I loved it she's like oh my god 
these are so good. And I'm like, well, you know what the statistics are, right? That a person that eats healthy and a person that doesn't, the healthy person only lives three years more than the unhealthy person. Well, would you rather live three years longer unhappy? Or three years less and eat all you want? Like cookies and everything, right? Oh my God. These are so good. And one day she was like, I'm craving cantaloupe. I'm like cantaloupe? Yeah, she goes, go to the store. Give me some cantaloupe. Like, dang, girl. You don't have to be rude about it. Because, you know, when they get pregnant, the women get bossy. And they're like, you can't be, come on, man, you know. Don't look at your wife right now. But, but you know, you can't, you can't say nothing back because they, they sensitive. Sensitive. And so my wife's like, go, go, get, some, go get some cantaloupe. And so went to the store. Went to, I said, hey, sir. Where's the cantaloupe at? He says, over there. See where the ice is? Yeah. The bed of ice over there? Yeah, cantaloupe's over there. I'm like, walked over there. Don't see any cantaloupe. Come back. Look again. 30 minutes. Finally, I find the produce man. I said, sir, I looked over there. There ain't no cantaloupe. He says, oh, yeah, there's cantaloupe over there. I said, no, sir, there's no cantaloupe. So I said, come on, walk with me. So we walked with over there. And, and I said, sir, uh, as you can tell, there's no cantaloupe. He says, oh, there's a bunch of cantaloupe here. I said, no, there's no cantaloupe here. He goes, see all those seeds? I said, yeah. He goes, those are cantaloupes. I said, sir, my wife's pregnant. She don't want me to bring home no seed. He says, inside those seeds are a cantaloupe. So he reaches under and he brings out a cantaloupe. He says, what you're looking for? I said, yeah. He says, it's right there. I said, no, no, th this is what I'm looking for. He goes, no, no, no. Inside that seed, Obed, is this. You love this when you really should love that. And I'll never forget that man teaching me a story and a lesson. And I got in my car and I realized God wanted a harvest. So what did God have to do? He took his son who was on the right hand of him. He said, you're the Savior. I'm going to wrap you up. I'm going to put you in a seed. I'm going to stick you into a womb of a 14-year-old virgin. And for nine months, that 14-year-old virgin would begin to carry the seed of the Savior inside of her. She would give birth to this seed named Jesus. And she would name that seed Jesus. And all of a sudden, she would sit in a manger and she would rock this person named Jesus, she would hold him, not realizing that in all actuality, he was really holding her. And all of a sudden, that seed would grow up to be 12 years old, find himself in a synagogue. He'd start quoting this Torah. And next, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees can't imagine. They're scratching their heads, scratching their beards and saying, how is it that this 12-year-old knows so much? And what they don't realize was that it was the word that became flesh and everything they ever studied about was sitting right in front of them. And then all of a sudden, that seed grows up to be 30 years old. But in order for a seed to germinate and to produce, it has to be watered. So what did God do? He caused that seed before it started his ministry to be immersed called baptism and all of a sudden when that seed came up it became fruitful now and the first thing it did is it turned water into wine started doing all these miracles took two fish and five loaves met fed the multitude spoke to the dead said rise up and they came out of the tomb and just like any seed in order for its seed to produce what it's supposed to be it has to die so the seed died 
was placed inside of a tomb because the seed that dies always has to be buried because by the time it comes out it doesn't look like the way it went in and friends can I tell you something you're a seed and guess what God had to do God had to kill the seed first why he had to get rid of your flesh after you killed the seed he baptized you he had to put you in water because that's the way you're going to produce fruit and guess what when you came out of that water you didn't look like the person that was when you walked into it you're a seed it's the power of a seed and today you have the opportunity to sow seed today you have an opportunity to give some oil into some empty jars and you get to walk out with more oil and God's going to bring you more empty jars what you're giving today is not you losing something it's you're gaining even more because God has a harvest for your life